G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we are talking about my favorite punting strategies. Let's go! G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at BallBoysNBA and on Instagram at BallBoysFantasyBasketball. Coming at you again with part two of our little mini punting series. Um, any um, Ted Lasso fans out there? I feel like I'm obviously a bit of a peek behind the curtains. I'm recording a few of these podcasts um, in a row, and uh, I feel like I've said punting that many times that it's uh, it's starting to sound like, you know, when you, you start saying a word all the time, it just sounds like a sound, it's not actually a word. Anyway, hopefully you guys have spread this out a little bit and it doesn't sound like that to you, but uh, today we are talking about uh, my favorite punting strategies. Um, so going through a lot of the, the strategies that I personally like, um, you might disagree, but I think that these ones, and I'll, I'll state my cases for each strategy and why I think that they're better than some of the other ones, which on our next podcast, we'll be going through the ones that I, I'm not the biggest fan of and that I, I usually try to uh, avoid if I can. Um, so talking about our favorite punting strategies, um, before we get stuck into it, um, make sure you give this video a big thumbs up, guys. Really appreciate it. There's lots of fantasy content coming. If you haven't already, please go and rate uh, us on iTunes. Give us a five-star. Let us know that um, we're better off without Callum. Um, shout out Callum, he's probably listening. Uh, but yeah, just give, give us a nice little comment on there. We really appreciate it. It would really help us out a lot and allow us to do uh, more fantasy content, uh, more full-time. So the more comments, the more ratings, and the more likes we can get, the better it would be, and we'd much appreciate it, guys. So uh, let's get stuck into it. Uh, my favorite punting strategies. I'm going to start with lumping two together because I think... They kind of make the most sense. And they're the two, basically, the most popular. I'm talking field goal percentage and free throw percentage. Now, they're both popular, and they're both popular for a reason. Um, they basically, there's two main reasons why they're, they're the most popular and, and probably the best punting strategies out there is because, um, for two reasons. The first reason is that they provide the biggest change in value um, out of any punting strategy out there. So, you know when you do um, your rankings, obviously we are, um, with our punting, taking out of the equation some of these categories. When you have something like, let's say, a blocks or a steals, if I can either get two blocks or I can get one block or I can get zero blocks. I can't, I can't get negative blocks, for example. With field goal percentage, however, I could go out and shoot zero of 10 and I've got a neg- that that's a much bigger negative than if I go out and I shoot a zero of one, for example. So remember with our, our free throw and our field goal percentage, we are taking into account the amount of volume on that because it's at the end of the week in a head-to-head league, it's the cumulative amount of the player's uh, attempts and, and makes, right? So volume is very important when it comes to um, 
weighting how much a player's field goal percentage or free throw percentage um, impacts their value. Uh, for example, uh, someone like Alonzo Ball, who I was usually a big fan of, he used to never be a really good free throw percentage, but he never got to the line. He shot like one or one and a half a game. So his poor free throw percentage didn't really matter because it, it wasn't in enough volume that it really affected your team. You know, he might go 0 for 1, but if you've got a player going 5 for 6, well, then you've got that your total percentage, you're 5 for 7, right? And that's something you can come back from. So it always is important to, with field goal percentage, with free throw percentage, make sure you take into account the volume that you're doing those, um, those attempts on. Um, so for that reason, when we look at the biggest negatives and the biggest positives, a lot of them fall within those percentage categories. Someone like a Zion Williamson has an insane amount of positive value when it comes to his uh, field goal percentage. Um, on the flip side, someone like uh, Jakob Pertl or uh, Giannis has an insane negative when it comes to free throw percentage. It's just much bigger than you'll ever find um, with any other categories. So for that reason, when you punt those categories, you... Avoid yourself overvaluing um, someone if they provide a huge amount in one category. And you also avoid the downside of someone being really good at everything else, but just this one thing drags their value all the way down. Um, and, and you're going to get the biggest case of that when it comes to percentages. The other thing is, like I spoke about on the last podcast, is when we're looking at these punt strategies, we're looking at it in a head-to-head category league. Um, and so we're looking at a week-to-week sample size. So... There's the most variance when it comes to field goal percentage because you could be on a hot week, you could be on a cold week. Um, so when you just eliminate that, it just it just makes your team a little bit more consistent. It makes your team a little bit more predictable when it comes to uh, being able to rely on certain categories. If, if for example, um, Giannis, like we said, he could go out and he shoots 10 attempts. If he shoots them at 70%, that's an awful negative. If he, for that one week, shoots them at 90%, that's an amazing positive, okay? So just like those, that fluctuation is possible on, on categories like that. So it is something that when we just remove the stress of that, it, it just makes things a little bit easier and a little bit clearer. Um, and and the, the last thing that I will say about these ones is that they are, um, they're easy to pair with other categories as well. So when you do a, a field goal percentage and something else or a free throw percentage and something else, it's really nice and neat to, to really um, pair with other categories that correlate um, and you can do that quite easily. And, and it's, a, it's a nice obvious one for you to trial. Um, and, but just because it's obvious doesn't make it bad. I think, I think that they're, they're one of the best um, strategies for a reason. The only other negative that I would say is that because they are so popular a lot of people in your draft might be doing something similar. So in a lot of drafts that I'm involved in, uh, I remember last year the punt field goal percentage strategy was really popular. Um, so a lot of people were you know, drafting your Lillards, drafting your Paul Georges, drafting your Tatums early on and then going, okay, punt, punt field goal percentage. Um, so in that kind of case, you might find that there might have been a lot of value in, in those bigs that, that fell, um, but you weren't thinking about their field goal percentage impact because, well, you don't really need it, but it might have been nice to get good value on it and you could have been a bit more flexible. So um, remember, though, you're not trying to be bad at that category. So try to keep an open mind. Yes, players that shoot poor percentages um, will naturally have their rankings boosted because you're ignoring that category. However, 
it's not the end of the world if you draft someone who's a good free throw percentage shooter. You know, you might get some good value in your points, assists, steals. Um, so always keep yourself uh, aware of this, um, and don't don't put yourself in a box when you categorize uh, when you. Uh, punt these categories because that's that's something that can easily be done. We start to think, okay, punt free throw percentage. All right, I'm going to draft Giannis. I'm going to draft um, Gobert. I'm going to draft Zion. And you start to rattle off all these bad free throw percentage guys. But but what if someone like Paul George falls? You know, he's still a great player. He's going to give you good assists, steals, points. Um, you know, he's going to um, get you decent rebounds for for a shooting guard eligible player. So these kind of things don't don't. Put yourself in that box and make sure you stay um, flexible as you can. All right. Um, speaking of, so let's go into the next category. We're going to go into uh, blocks. There's another category that I like to punt. The main reason for this one, well, there's a couple of reasons. Firstly, we've spoken about a few of these. These names will continue to come up, but blocks is concentrated very much in a few big name players. Uh, and when I'm talking about blocks, I'm talking players who block like over two or, or one and a half per game. There's not that many of them. There's Gobert, there's Turner, there's uh, Robert Williams, uh, there's Jaron Jackson Jr., Anthony Davis. Now we're starting to get into players and anyone below that, you're not blocking two shots a game. Um, so when you eliminate that, it avoids the mad scramble to, oh shit, I've got to draft someone who, who blocks two shots a game because otherwise I'm not going to be... You just, it just avoids that, um, allows you to get more value elsewhere in the draft because because it's such a concentrated group of players, those who do block their shots, their value gets dramatically increased because it's so hard to find elsewhere um, that you, are, you, will, you will more than likely take a hit a lot of those other categories, um, unless they're your superstars, you know, like Anthony Davis, um, who was obviously a number one player for many years. So that's why I like blocks. The other thing is it's a low-volume stat. So on any given week, Gobert could get two blocks that week, and he plays four games. So he averages half a block for that week. That's not unheard of. He'll do that. The next week, he might get, you know... 10 blocks in three games. So he averages 3.3 blocks. Because again, we're looking at that week-to-week sample size, the variance in those low-volume stats are very, very big compared to like a points category where it's more than likely on week-to-week, you might get a little bit of variance, but someone like a Giannis is probably going to score his 25 points a night most nights. It's not often that he's going to go and have a a nine-point game like that just doesn't happen very often. But it, you know, you will see games where Gobert doesn't block a shot. You will see games where randomly, um, shout out to um, Chris who uh, beat me one playoff year, where Jeremy Lin, who averages point one blocks, will, will block a shot to 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 make sure that you don't advance in your playoffs. So these things will happen. Um, so when you eliminate those uh, low counting stats out there. It just makes it a little bit easier, like we said before, easier to predict, easier to rely upon. Um, so I think it's a really good um, category to, to, to punt. Um, disadvantages of punting blocks, you might accidentally put yourself in, like we said, put yourself in a block uh, in, a, in a box and when you're punting blocks, you, you miss out on a lot of those good big guys um, and you might accidentally find yourself punting rebounds as well or punting field goal percentage as well when you didn't mean to. So it is important to identify 
um, players that can still give you good value in those other areas um, that aren't negatively affected by punting blocks. It doesn't mean that though you have to exclusively draft big men that don't block shots. You don't, you know, the old the old um, punt blocks bigs were like your Kevin Loves um, back in the day, and and they used to be really valuable because they still gave you good rebounds. Um, Really good rebounds, and but there was you didn't have to worry about the fact that he didn't block shots, so his value obviously was improved in those kind of in those kind of builds. But you can still get a player that blocks shots, but just be aware of the fact that if you are blocking, if you are punting blocks, but you don't want to punt rebounds, still look after them because it can be very easy a very slippery slope to to go down that way. Um, you, you'll find as soon as you punt blocks, a lot of those guards will come up a lot in value, but uh, remember that positional scarcity and statistical scarcity does matter. Um, it does definitely matter because um, you'll be able to find some more guys um, that are boosted in your uh, punt rankings later in the draft, but you might not be able to find someone who gives you good free throw percentage and rebounds later in the draft. That might just not be hard. They might not be able to do that. So if, if there's someone who's unique that fits something that you need and maybe they're not quote-unquote, the highest-ranked guy, but they're going to provide you the, the hardest thing to find later, then that's usually the guy that you should take at that point in the draft. Um, next one that I really like, threes. It's um, it's not something that... Usually we see it paired with free throw percentage, but it is something that I'm, I'm warming more and more to, punting threes. It's becoming harder and harder if you are looking after your threes, to roster these bigs, especially, and some other guards and wings that don't shoot or don't hit a lot of threes. Uh, A good example would be someone like uh, DeMar DeRozan. You know, he's an excellent player. He's ranked really well, but people always, he doesn't shoot any threes. I need my threes. I want my guards and that to shoot threes. But if you just punt that category... He's an amazing player. Um, someone like, you know, your classic centers, uh, Robert Williams, uh, Rudy Gobert. Uh, let's maybe try someone who isn't uh, also a punt free throw percentage guy. Someone like uh, Jarrett Allen as another example. These guys don't shoot any threes. They hit zero threes per game. So it's it's immediately hard when everyone else around you is hitting one and a half, two, three threes a game. Uh, to make that up because it's it's something that we're seeing more and more of in the NBA. Um, like blocks, it's a low volume stat, not quite as low volume as, as blocks are, but it is something that you know you, you might see. Maybe Steph isn't a good example, but you might see Desmond Bain who averages over three threes a game. He might go a couple of games where he, he misses his shots. He he's just in a shooting slump. Um, that he might you might not get that value from him. And outside of that, he doesn't provide you much. So that's the next thing here. It, it, it also avoids players that put up what I call empty stat lines. And there's a few guys that are like that. Desmond Bain is an example. Clay Thompson is an example. Yes, they put up decent points too. Um, but outside of the points and threes, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, there's, there's not a whole lot else there. Um so a lot of your value is tied up in that kind of uh, in in those categories there. Um, just lost my video recording there. Just going to get that one back real quick. Okay, we're back online. All right. Um. Yeah. So I think those guys that provide the empty stat lines. Um. Uh. 
players that I don't necessarily value as highly. And when you punt threes, that it does naturally kind of devalue those guys a lot. Um, those guys that put up a lot of threes and, and don't, you know, maybe low turnovers and their, their ranking is boosted highly from that. Punting threes uh, avoids those guys as well. It also naturally just boosts your field goal percentage. If you're taking less threes, usually taking more shots around the rim, higher field goal percentage, that's something that without even really concentrating on, you can naturally improve that category. So um, the downside is, you know, a lot of the best players in the NBA shoot a lot of threes. So it can be hard to sort of make that adjustment. Um, it is often paired with punt free throw percentage builds, but um, I think you can also pair it with this next category, which um, if you've listened to me before, you you know that I am a big fan on. So let's move on to that one. The next category that I'm a big fan of, punt points. Um, now this one, I don't think this one's very popular. And it's because it's not very popular that I really like it. Everyone loves players that score a lot of points. Everyone loves points. And um, you'll see, especially when you're going down Yahoo's rankings, um, Basketball Monsters rankings, the best players in fantasy basketball score a lot of points. Not always the case, but for the most part, it's really hard to get good point scorers later in drafts. Um, For that reason, people often overvalue points because if I don't get it now, I'm not going to be able to get it later. So I've got to draft the guy who scores more points now. Okay, And sometimes it can be at the sacrifice of assists, steals, rebounds, blocks, whatever the case may be. And that's where you get the value, right? That's where you come in and you go, I don't give a shit about points. I need the guy that's going to give you more assists or assist or steals, and that's going to be the guy that's going to be better for me. So I might be, people might be devaluing two other stats or two other categories to increase the one that they can't get later, whereas you're going to be getting the value of these two because you don't care about this one that everyone's kind of fighting over and trying to get early in the draft. And, um, and it's something that I think that's got a lot of value. I think that especially um, even when it comes to the season on the trade market, it's fucking, sorry to swear, <laughs> I shouldn't be swearing, but it's hard, it's hard to get points off the waiver wire. So usually people try and trade for points. So if, you, if you've got a player that, you know, scores a few more points than their guy, but their guy is just better in a few other things, you might be able to execute that trade because that team is not going to be able to get the points that your guy offers anywhere else. So I often find that when I'm punting points, I'm much better able to execute better trades and get the categories that I'm after um, than if I'm trying to find points. It's much harder to, to get high point scorers away from people because, you know, people just love them. You know, it's 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 more, probably, it's maybe it's that psychology of it's more fun to watch your player and he's putting up buckets and all these kind of things. But um, it, it, when it comes to winning, I, I think that there's a lot of lot of value in, um, in, in punting the points category because, yeah, I think other people devalue it, and that's where you can that's where you can get a lot of the um, a lot of the value. The only thing that I will say on the punt points um, uh, category is that it's it can be difficult to decide when to punt points because when you let's say again we go onto Basketball Monster and I click punt points uh, in the the rankings for last year, you're still going to see a lot of the same names. Um, that were there last season. Um, now, let me just do that right now in front of you. So, you're still going to have Jokic number one. 
You're still going to have Kevin Durant, number two. Um, funny enough, Robert Williams skyrockets to number three. So there's a little thing for you guys. Um, Embiid, still number four. So these guys, yes, they're still scoring nearly 30 points a game, each of them. So you might be thinking, well, I'm not going to punt points because I've got a guy scoring 30 points a name. But but so does everyone else who's already drafted in the first round, right? So don't necessarily... Uh, Try not to get caught up on the fact that, oh, because my first round pick scores 30 points a night, I have to try and win this category. That's not the case. Um, Usually, punting points comes from drafting someone like a Robert Williams in in the third round or drafting a Chris Paul in the third round. When everyone else is drafting guys who are scoring 25 and you're drafting someone who scores 10 to 15, that's just really hard to come back. Um, and, and that's fine because you just say, okay, fine, I'm not going to be competitive in that category, but I'm way more competitive in assists or I'm way more competitive in blocks and field goal percentage. Um, and again, it's just one category. It's not something that we have to stress about, but I think that people get really, really worked up and really, really um, you know, determined to, to salvage that category. So um, keep in mind, like we said before in the previous podcast, I usually like to pick my my punting strategy on the first round, this might be one where I let it come to me a little bit more. You know, maybe I'm punting points in threes is another good example. So someone uh, like a Robert Williams might even go as high as the, the number one or two ranked player. Um, just because those categories, again, they're very correlated. Guys who don't score a lot of threes often don't score a lot of points as well. So um, definitely one for you guys to consider and um, one that I'll, I'll, I'll be trying to, to do a little bit more research on. Uh, coming over. Last one I want to talk about here today is the turnovers category. Now, this one's a bit of a, a unique one. It's it's usually, actually, in fact, all of the time, it's an auto soft punt for me. So what I will do, I talked about this on the last podcast, if you're not 100% sure about um, soft punting. What it is basically is I'm assigning a weighting to it less than the other categories. So usually what I'll do is I'll go in and I'll assign turnovers, um, 50%. So while everything else is um, 100%, this is worth half. So my turnovers are now worth half of the other eight categories. And this to me is the best way to do it because uh, some people will do just eight categories. Uh, and I know Josh Lloyd is a big... Um, uh, he that's, that's his style and that's, that's what he likes to do. I like to take into consideration a little bit um, because it can differentiate some players. It can um, be like a good tiebreaker. It does um, promote those guys, for example, with a good assist-to-turnover ratio, um, which I think is important. You don't want to go completely crazy because it is still a category at the end of the day. Um, however, I don't think it should be valued as highly as the other ones do because uh, you can you can bench your players and get no turnovers. You can um, pick up someone off the waiver wire who's doing nothing and get really great turnovers um, because they're just not on the court as much. Um, the best players still turn the ball over, but there is a limit, right? You still you still want to be getting those players that their value lines up with the amount of turnovers that they're, they're giving. So for that reason, I usually automatically put it at 50%, um, weight it by half, unless, for example, I'm specifically punting the strategy with something else. So a good example might be punting turnovers and field goal percentage. So if I'm getting someone like a Trey Young, he's got a lot of turnovers. His field goal percentage, although it wasn't better last year, used to be really bad. So I'd automatically punt those categories because 
you know, Trey Young, he's going to hurt me a lot in both those categories every week. So why worry about it? Let's just get some and, and continue to build off that from there. But uh, for the most part, even when I'm just starting my first round and I'm ranking everyone and I'm talking about that punt rank, I'm putting that at 50% and then punting the worst category after that. And it gives me a better understanding of where someone is valued. Um, so for example, if I did that example before where we punted points, um, and Robert Williams was the number three ranked player from last year. If I go in and I give him a half value, uh, what am I doing? Half value in turnovers, and I refresh that, he is now down to the eighth ranked player. Obviously, still really high, but it, it makes a little bit more sense now. It, it makes a little bit more sense that someone like a James Harden or a LeBron James and a Joel Embiid, all these guys are now ranked higher than him because really they are more valuable. Um, they, they, they are better players than, than, than a Robert Williams when it comes to um, fantasy and, and, and doing what they can't. You can't replace what they do later in the draft. Um, now, the last thing I'll talk about in this pod today, guys, is just my favorite punt pairings. So again, we've kind of touched on them a little bit here, but I'll give you guys three of my favorite pairings. One of my favorites is the field goal percentage and blocks pairing. So this used to be the old Kevin Love pairing or the Damian Lillard pairing. Um, used to be the Trey Young pairing, but his field goal percentage is a little bit more salvageable now. Um, but getting those blocks, like we said before, it's hard to um, it's hard to get those blocks if you don't get those few guys at the start of the draft. So I'm just ignoring that. I'm also ignoring field goal percentage. They kind of marry up nicely together. So I think that that is something that I definitely would recommend. Uh, free throw percentage in threes. This is the Giannis strategy. So you, you draft Giannis. Everyone else in the first round is hitting two threes a game, except for Giannis. Um, so obviously he is a prime candidate to punt both those categories. You punt both those categories um, he's the second-ranked player behind Jokic still, um, but there's a distinguished gap between him, those two, and the rest of the field. So um, good category to punt there. And obviously, your bigs like Robert Williams, Gobert, poor free throw percentage, plus they don't hit any threes, enormous rise in value. The only thing you need to be aware about those things there, guys, is that usually your field goal percentage will be amazing. Um, there's no point winning field goal percentage by 20 percent every week though so um, sometimes I'll even get if I'm so good in that category I'll just get to a point where I'm not punting the category of my team but for the rest of the draft the second half of the draft I might as well punt field goal percentage because my field goal percentage is so good that I don't have to worry about it I'm trying to concentrate my value in assists steals rebounds all those other things that I'm looking after so just make sure you're aware with that strategy don't you know, a lot of those guys are boosted up so much because their field goal percentage is so impactful, but you might already be really, really strong in that category um, by your second or third pick. Um, points and threes is the last one that I'll talk about. I think I discussed this a little bit before. Um, points, everyone loves points. Threes, everyone loves threes. So you can make the most out of it and, and get the advantage by getting those players that other teams might be devaluing. Um, you know, getting your players like your Robert Williams, uh, even someone like a Chris Paul um, boosts himself dramatically with this kind of a, of a punt build. Uh, someone like a Miles Turner, for example, who is, you know, really good in blocks, um, decent in field goal percentage and rebounds, but 
uh, doesn't give you the points and threes that you're really after at that point in the draft. So um, those are my favorite pairings. Um, let us know in the comments below what, what punt strategy do you like? Has there been one that you'd done last year that got you a championship? Um, I saw a comment the other day that someone liked the punts uh, free throw percentage in three. He's got him three championships out of his four leagues. So um, let us know more stories like that. I'd love to hear that. And again, guys, if you can give the, the video a little thumbs up, uh, if you're listening on Apple I, Apple Podcasts, or even if you're not, go over, give us a five-star rating. Let us know what you love about the podcast, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Laters.